0: But I'm so still in a good mood because the school holidays are finally over.
1: And admittedly, the weather is a good accompaniment for what we'll be talking about here.
0: Oh my goodness. It's really interesting because watching them, I was like, and after everything that's been going on lately with all these fires and our climate change denying government and all that Adani fun stuff. and, you know, <laughs> mines being Approved all over the place Hashtag
1: koala killer <laughs>
0: Hashtag koala killer um, I was like And because they're set in Australia I was like is we like, Is this like a Glimpse into the future? And I'm sure people even thought That at the time Like the first one came out in 79
1: I, I, I just for context We're doing the Mad Max Trilogy yeah, for now so, at least. Yeah, so first yeah. three movies. So we
0: watched, we watched all four. Yeah,
1: and we were gonna, but, but we'll, we've decided we'll, to... We'll, we'll we'll get to Fury Road. Yeah, as its time.
0: own. We think we think Fury Road deserves its own. Uh, yeah, own episode.
1: Uh, uh, um, um p- partly because like I have a lot to say about that one, and also because I think we're kind of on the same page here. Not really getting the hype. about...
0: <sighs> yeah, uh, it's. Mm. What? I watched the I watched number one at the end of last week, and then I watched two, three, and we'll say four. We'll say Fury Road is number four um, in consecutive nights until last night. And after watching the first three, and then sitting down in just the first like three or four minutes of Fury Road, I was like, uh, "Wow!" No, hold hold
1: hold up hold up hold up! <laughs> no no just
0: from just from just from the perspective of that like the first three films, because we're talking 79, 81, and 84, I think. Yeah, would have been mid-80s. Around that, that, mid-80s. Just the style of filmmaking in terms of, like, everything was so...
1: 80s. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Definitely. But also... <coughs> excuse me. It was like it's... it's everything's done kind of in real time. So any kind of stunt stuff, there's none of that speeding up, hectic kind of...
1: Yes, and admittedly, while I do have like kind of very specifically different um problems with <laughs> the first three yeah. Mad Max films. The stunt work is one thing I cannot fault it on at all no. because it is in well, like especially with the first Mad Max one where it was that that crash that was so hard that made the car like spin yeah. on the road it's like that especially back then. I think it's a lot of work but So it, I think it yeah just, it, uh, like with the first Mad Max specifically. Yes. My issue with it is that, well, it's kind of one of those Citizen Kane moments for me where it's like, right. I appreciate it for like, you know, its place sure. in film history because it, it was one of the big early Aussie New Wave films to basically break it out, break out internationally. Yeah. And it, along with Picnic and Hanging Rock led mm-hmm. to quite a fruitful 80s. Sure. and uh, and, and also with like the very specific parts like the ending with the with the hacksaw which by their own admission is the inspiration for the soul series
0: right well that's what so you saw the thing that I put up on Instagram and Facebook and I got to the end of the first one and I went I didn't did I miss something like I feel like I didn't get this but what I did get I think probably after maybe halfway through number two or something was I was like I had an appreciation for how early these films were made. I mean, they're forty years old. These movies, yeah. in essence, and I guess I could really see how many movies have drawn from, yeah, from these films.
1: Yeah, exactly. Just, and that's another thing I really can't fault them on. Sure. Like all three films, as they kept going, like the aesthetic, mm. the kind of the world building around mm. it just got more and more dense. Mm. Kind of to a stupid point when we got to Beyond Thunderdome, but in in, in terms of the the, the first Mad Max, it is very... Well, you know, it's the starting point for that world building, and that's why everything kind of feels as humdrum as it does.
0: It does feel humdrum, and I guess, like, for us, again, and we've talked about this before, it's very difficult for us to watch this properly in context because we've seen everything that came after, and so it would be difficult to understand for an audience what it must have been like watching that first one the first time, at the time.
1: Well, well to an extent, I, I do kind of get that, but it's... I, I don't know. And Admittedly, I'm going into basically all these movies not being that big on, like, car action scenes. Okay. Or, 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 like, I genuinely do not care about cars. I take public transport and walk everywhere. Yeah. It's just, I don't...
0: Yeah. See, that's what also got me, I, I got to the end of the first one, and I was like, so is this just the first Rev Head film? Like, it just felt like an excuse to crash a holocaust together. Like, that's what the whole and thing And to get a lot
1: like. of people in bondage gear. Yeah.
0: W- 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 it's w- w- fine, I'm happy with that.
1: Which immediately is like, a, uh, uh, and that's part of like, what kind of, you know, fascinates me, at least looking at it in a historical yep. context, because that whole kind of, you know, that leather, bondage, punk, post-apocalyptic, rural, yep. kind of. Almost cowpunk yep. kind of approach to it. It is a very interesting idea, and, it is, and I can definitely see why it caught on as much as it did, but sure. how to put it, I feel like um, the relationship between the first Mad Max and the Road Warrior is kind of like the relationship between Star Wars and New Hope and Empire Strikes Back like the first one people like to remember it as being like you know the big thing but it's only with the sequel that it actually solidified (laughs) as just yes this is a solid thing
0: that's really interesting that's a very good point very good point I, I and I thoroughly agree because I did enjoy the second one so much more and then I think I had a little bit more appreciation for the first one after having seen the second one looking back now but at the end of the first one I got I really did just get to the end of it and not only did I go I don't get this other than that it seems an excuse to crash cars together and have people scantily clad but also and I know it was the late 70s and I was born at that time and I get that things were different but fuck me man at the end (laughs) When I couldn't find she goes, Where's the baby? I'd been saying for like five minutes, Where's the baby? Where's the baby? Where's your fucking baby? Why does nobody noticed that the baby's missing? I was losing it. Then yeah. she finally just goes, Oh. And I'm like, what do you mean? You just wandered down to the beach and left the kid just sitting next to the car while Dad was like, under the hood. Who does that? I'm yeah, like yeah. oh um, man.
1: The other thing that ties <laughs> these three movies together aside from the world building is the conspicuous way women characters are treated. Yeah. Immediately. Uh, well, uh, it, well, yeah. Well, 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 say for Max's wife, and I have to admit, it it is kind of nice coming home after a long day at work for some hot sacks. That
0: was the best.
1: That, that was honestly like really damn cool. I like that.
0: <laughs>
1: That's very is <good. laughs> Yeah, like...
0: And so 80s. Oh my god.
1: Yeah, that definitely works for me. And... <laughs> Well, what's really like weird? Like, I agree with you. I did get a better appreciation for the mm. first film as I watched the others, mm. but only because it felt like, along with the the world building, you know, escalating each point, my general disinterest with the whole thing leveled up with it. Yeah, like, I think mine did too. Like too. with um, Road Warrior. Yes. Like this is the like proper Mad Max. Viewing like this is what people think of when they when they hear Mad Max.
0: Sure, and I, and I think, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but they decided, especially in America, to call it the Road Warrior as opposed to Mad Max Two because they wanted to try and distance it from the first one. Or maybe
1: because no one had actually seen the first one in that in that territory. Potentially. Potentially. Yeah. Uh, at any rate, with that one, it's I I would honestly consider it to like I. I'm less interested in it than I was in the first one because not only is it, you know, car action heavy, it's also Western heavy. And I am not that big on Westerns, especially when, like, from my perspective, the actual Western tropes of, like, you know, the Lone Wanderer, you know, arriving Mm -hmm. at this um, small little outpost that's Mm. being ravaged by Mm. these, you know, know, this gang of thugs. Mm. And it's just, I... See, it's like that same like cultural deja vu I got from the general post-apocalyptic set of the first film but mm-hmm. amplified because mm-hmm. it's like two cliches mashed together <laughs> that I've seen yeah. way too many times to disconnect from it sure well and like as much as you know the uh, again the action scenes are quite cool the actual way they toyed around with the western mm-hmm. it like it definitely felt like what they'd have to do to at least get me interested so it feels like I appreciate the effort to get someone like you know me mm-hmm. my not you know my non-Western liking ass actually you know getting get invested in it mm-hmm. and I do love you know performances of guys like Bruce
0: Spence mm-hmm. who look all the performances were actually pretty steady through the three films I wasn't um I wasn't bothered so much by the by the acting I guess um, as I was by the huge gaping holes in the script like it felt like they'd made like a two hour movie and decided they'd better cut half an hour out of it mm. and and then there was bits bit so I was just like where's what <laughs> uh, <laughs> how did you get from there to there yeah, like,
1: so, yeah, and really I did notice that too but I, I've kind of reached the point where I've stopped caring <laughs> w- 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 when, when it comes to like you know plot holes and that kind of thing because well, I'm not exactly able to, you know, rage against the world when it doesn't make any sense and when it feels like things don't connect mm. properly. And Well, that's a good point. And I've I, I, stopped expecting my fiction to, do, to, you know, improve on reality in that way.
0: Fair enough, that's a good point.
1: At that end, I was, again, the general, like, uh, I'm not that big on Westerns, guys. Doesn't matter how much you dress it up, mm. it's still the same mm. Thing. And again, because I do take film and, you know, film study so damn seriously, I genuinely feel like I should be able to watch this, right. l- like, you know, watch it as a product of its time, mm-hmm. which, admittedly, is very easy, because it screams early 80s, oh. <laughs> in all in all respects, yeah. and I can definitely appreciate, like, how much it and the other films, like, built up this very... You know, appealing kind of post-apocalyptic setting that you know so many other, mm-hmm. um,
0: s- so, so much else, seems. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: have been able to build on. Yeah. But with this, it's it's more like appreciating like the foundation yeah. for what other people or and George Miller himself went into building later.
0: Absolutely, no, I agree with that, and you know- and, and
1: also the ending was a bit. Head-scratching on that one, too? On on Warrior, where it's like, Oh, I was tricked. Like, I'm not even sure how to feel about that. Like, was this him intentionally getting tricked? Was he along with the plan as a decoy? It's just... Kind of lost me on that one.
0: Oh, yeah. No, that... That... That, that was... Yeah, sorry. Um, all, all the endings are mashing together in my head. Same. I... And that's fine, I'm fine with endings that aren't explained like that properly, but if they've kind of pulled it off to a point where you're genuinely like, kind of, I I looked at the dirt coming out of the thing and I went, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, I guess that's, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it it's wasn't just, like, oh, and, wow, I wasn't expecting that. And, and,
1: and that's in comparison to the opening, where it's like, you know, all the black and white footage and actually giving mm, some kind of, you know, context, context to, <laughs>
0: the, to, the,
1: to the actual, you know, yeah. gearhead, diesel chugging yeah. world that they're in.
0: Yeah, which I think maybe is what lacked in the first one. Uh, yeah, I, honestly,
1: I'd agree with yeah.
0: that. I think if they'd given us a little bit more context and hadn't tried to be, so I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's difficult to say why certain decisions were made. Um, maybe there was huge budget restrictions or, you know, they uh, just weren't Well, really well I'm, really
1: I'm willing to bet the budget did factor into it because, yeah. you know, at least between the first two, it isn't exactly the most... But where w- did
0: they get all those cars to smash? Maybe they spent all their money on cars to smash Probably did, up. <laughs> honestly, because that,
1: that's where, like, most of the... Well, action was yeah. taking
0: place, yeah.
1: and I'm willing to bet that game, you know, getting all those patrol specials Yeah.
0: Um,
1: together wasn't wasn't exactly the no. easiest thing in
0: the world. No, God, would it, would, Yeah, there must have been a whole team it like outsourcing a- those those um, cars.
1: Yeah, a- and but
0: people are really like they're proper like fans of his car. Like they're proper pe- like people who are seriously obsessed with that car, his his car.
1: Which I do totally get, and, and that's the thing with. Um, Ma- the original Mad Max and the Road Warrior it's, it's at least at the point where like I I'm not that into it mm. but I at least get the appeal I get why other people will be into it and again I get how the world it kind of creates would spawn so much else
0: but don't you think like I was just I just spent the whole time going if gasoline is such an issue <laughs> if the fuel to fuel these cars is such an issue why is everyone driving V8s
1: <laughs> well it's just see here's the thing um, one of the many many films that um, built off of the Mad Max kind of mm. formula was um, I, I've mentioned in a previous episode um, Wormwood Road of the Dead sure, yep. where it's basically Mad Max except there's also zombies and the cars oh, are okay. powered by zombie blood breath z- zombies breathing methane yeah
0: that's right I honestly
1: think that was a better idea because at least that <laughs>
0: exactly. brought up
1: how alright none of the gasoline will even combust we need some alternative form of things, and we don't exactly have all of the money and resources to go all renewable. So let's go with these literal walking fuel stations.
0: Yeah. So... And that, and
1: that, and that, and yeah.
0: So what was, what do you think, looking at the first three films, what do you think is the point of them?
1: Well, as far as story, I think it is all told in the original name, Mad Max, the idea of, you know, the you know, trying to keep your wits about you when right. the end of the world happens. Right. Which, o- oddly enough, is um, part of another Aussie movie that I'm pretty sure took some level of inspiration from this, um, uh, These Final Hours. Which, yeah. is, which is about, you know, the sun burning the entire world and basically, because the world's about to end, everyone is pretty much just giving in to their vices. Sure. Just like, you know, let's party to the end of the yeah, world right. kind of thing. Right, right. And like all forms of... Well, you know, ethic, you know, ethical treatment sure. of others and morality is just gone. Okay. And I'm assuming they're trying to go for the same thing because of how um, Max's relationship with his um, uh, wife and child go mm. in regards to that. Although, again, just there's a specific term in um, in comic book discussion groups okay. called "women in refrigerators" or "fridging," right. which is basically the idea of what we the trope of a female character and something terrible happening to that female character, whether it's being attacked, sexually abused, killed, for no other reason other than to give character development to the man Mm -hmm. that she's attached to. I feel
0: like that's like 95% of films.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I know, right? I know. It's It's... just... And I honestly find it kind of weird that... In that regard, and as we'll get into Infury Road, that, that entire approach is completely flipped on oh. its head. But, uh, alright, but before we have to get into that, we have to get into Beyond Thunderdome. Yeah, well, I
0: was just about to say, I just. To, so to wrap up, because I think one and two kind of go together, and then three kind of starts, does its own weird thing. But I just wanted to. Um, number one, general feeling about it. It was alright. Yeah, it's alright. And I and I it, it, am sure it was um, a pretty cool concept at the
1: time. It's honestly my um, well, what could be considered my favorite of the original trilogy okay. because it because it, you know it's nice, it's simple, it yeah. get, it gets everything yeah. together, yeah. and there's no you know genre deadness for me. No, like it works for me. Yep.
0: Then then the so what is what's the second one um, Road Warrior. Road Warrior. Road Warrior. Um.
1: That, well lost. made, but not my thing.
0: Yeah. It yeah. lost me for the first, probably the first act, I guess. I was a bit like, what? And I was not, like, Max's character, I guess, flaw and development was kind of annoying me. Like, I It guess. is very
1: man with no name. Yeah. To, to the point where he's literally called the man with no name yeah. at one point.
0: Yeah, And I was a bit, I don't know. Maybe character development wasn't such a thing in the early eighties, like it was or just...
1: or wasn't so much of a focus for these movies. because yeah. it's a lot more about the world that they sure. inhabit rather than the individuals. Yeah. In.
0: yeah, and so his lack of talking and stuff and kind of like I get he's supposed to be like that because he's, but then he was also a bit like like Mel's good. He was pretty good in these. Like, but I still feel like there was it was, a bit. To, like there was, it was expressionless, emotionless. It's, just, it was it's really mad.
1: weird thinking about those movies and thinking that Mel Gibson of all people can't yeah. pull off crazy. <laughs> it's really strange thinking about that. He
0: <laughs> right? became more Mad Max
1: after Later. he stopped doing Mad Max.
0: <laughs> yes, That's very funny. So I just found it a bit. Oh, it's just this, I was dragging myself through it. But then when they got to, um, he got inside the gas pump place yeah um and he oh he'd gone to get the rig and he brought it back for them and that whole thing was a bit like again i was i I was like this this doesn't make sense to his plan doesn't make sense to me but anyway fine that's what they decided to do he brings back the rig and there's one scene where one of the main guys in that crew standing on a platform and he's calling out to the mechanic who's just had a look at the rig to ask him, what's wrong with it? <laughs> and he relays it. They relay it through the, through the guy in the middle. So they keep relaying this message. And it was so everything that I love about Australian cinema. It was so perfect Australian comedy. It really <laughs> made me laugh. I really cracked up and I finally... I kind of saw a little glimpse then... Of Australian cinema to come, like particularly yeah. that style of humour, and it was and just just this like bizarre little relaying of information, and, and also just the Australianness of the yeah breaking gasket yeah looks like the da da that's falling off and uh, yeah and I was like that I, I, I finally I was like okay you 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 you're giving me something here that I can use that I can work with and from there the rest of the movie I kind of actually sort of enjoyed Um, but I again I got to the end of it and I was like it feels like one big both films by this point I was like it just feels like one big long fight scene on the road.
1: Which is kind of prophetic in right. its own way, but, yeah. <laughs> well, but again, okay. before we get to that, we have to talk need about... need to talk about
0: Thunderdome, because that's its own...
1: Uh, <laughs> Alright, so with the first two Mad Max movies, my objections, I admit, are rather subjective of myself. Sure. It's just sure. down to my own taste. Yes. Yep. Beyond Thunderdome is a different story, because as much as, again, I can genuinely appreciate the action scenes, mm-hmm. some of them at least, mm-hmm. and the further world building and the denseness, and again, it's what people think of when they think of Mad Max. Yep. There is a lot wrong with it, though. And, and, <laughs> and it starts with the titular Thunderdome. Yeah. How fucking goofy is that fight scene? It looks like something out of, like, a 90s Nickelodeon kids game show. Like, like one of these physical
0: challenges. (laughs) I I, I honestly
1: expected them to just get covered in, like, Nickelodeon gack at the end of it. It's like slime dripping down them. Or a
0: Cirque du Soleil performance.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it really is like that. And and between that, the kind of weird way that um, Master Blaster kind of, you know, pull off the helmet and reveal, he's an innocent, which is quite un-Mad Max compared to everything else in here and also the yeah. what I can only call Robin Williams in Hook yes trying to be leather punk yes it's just with stuff like I that, feel
0: like Hook just took that whole it was almost it was almost the exact same setting I feel like they used the same set and everything same kids yeah. it was extraordinary
1: yes and and but between all of those there's a very kidified tone to this whole thing yeah what's with that I might have an explanation for okay. that. Okay, uh, My theory is that this film was basically a soft pilot for a kid's cartoon. You reckon? Yeah, but here's the thing. As much as Mad Max 1 and 2, well, with all the violence and the swearing and the abuse of women... Um, might not qualify as a kid's cartoon. The 80s were <laughs> full of weird adult films being turned into kids cartoons. And, Ro-
0: and TV series. Like,
1: Robocop got a yes. cartoon. Rambo got a cartoon. Conan the Barbarian got a cartoon. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> wow. it honestly felt like this was like leading into that. And because it is so insanely like kidified and tone deaf and thinking... Tina Turner needs to act at any point. Weird, right? Well, like like how to put it, her performance here is even more awkward than her acting like she loves Ike.
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah, wow. That's saying something. Yeah, I know, right?
1: It's just, and and especially with the we don't need another hero and the saxophone. What is it with these movies and really weird saxophone moments? Like, (laughs) Like, how to put it? The, yeah, first was, Mad Max, the first Mad Max, good use of saxophone. <laughs> yeah. The... the scene in Lost in The Lost Boys. Yes. Which with the same guy playing saxophone, by the way. Oh right. Yeah, he, he does a lot of work with Tina Turner. That's why he's in this scene. Ah, thing. okay. That scene worked.
0: Yeah. Not this never, no, This
1: felt like more is more approach, which yeah. did not appeal no. to me at all. No. And it's just it's right. a, like this is where like the like the kind of underlying goofiness of like the entire premise as it is like combining you know I guess like proto-climate change kind of you know like we're going you know we're going we're killing the earth kind of commentary with this really um, like garish uh, you know leather bondage you know punk style thing and it really kind of like unearths just how ridiculous it is when you bring those worlds together Through, again, how, like, seemingly made for kids a lot of this turns out.
0: Look, I didn't get it. Like, I didn't... When he gets to the (coughs) orphanage, whatever that place is where all the kids are, and then he doesn't let them leave when they want to leave, and I'm like, don't you... Don't you not care? Like, I thought you didn't care about anybody or anything except yourself. And all of a sudden, and then he punches that girl in the face. And I was like, it's just... oh, now you've really <laughs> lost me. Like,
1: yeah, uh, it's just and just he all...
0: ties her up to keep her from going. And I'm like, why do you even care uh, this much? I'm
1: willing to bet that when he did that, it was like, I gonna remember this. <laughs> and and, <laughs> and also just.
0: <laughs> you don't like Bill much, do you? Well,
1: like, uh, how to put it? As much as I'm willing to give him credit for stuff like Hacksaw Ridge and bits of Apocalypto, mm-hmm. bits it, re- of it. It, it it really says something when I'm the, you know, the t- I grew up an emo kid mm. and even I think Passion of the Christ is self-indulgent. <laughs>
0: it's
1: like, oh, by the way, there's apparently a sequel to that coming out. Oh,
0: no! So chances
1: I will be revisiting Mel's Mel's oh, Pants and I Bells.
0: I forgot, I forgot, he's like a like a hardcore born-again Christian, hey? Like, or, so, or Catholic or Catholic. Yeah, and,
1: he's a, a, and off the back of stuff like Daddy's Home 2 and Get the Gringo and Hacksaw yeah, Rich, yeah, yeah. he's come back to Hollywood. Okay, right. So I'm willing to bet that he'll show up in some kind of movie where he has worse hair than he did in Beyond <laughs> Thunderdome. Like, I've grown my hair out, yeah. and it honestly feels like if it was, like, slightly less curly, it would start to turn into the mane on that guy. Yeah.
0: Well, at least all that sort of stuff, I have to give credit to all three films for not over prettifying everybody. Like, they did look gritty and grungy, and or, except maybe in the third one, the, some of the kids and the older characters. Yeah, was, was it, yeah.
1: In, the, in the third one, it kind of kept that, but at the same time, it tried to make it a bit more family-friendly, I guess. It, yeah, right. It's like, how do I put it? It's like um, what happened with... Um, in Moonraker where they tried to make um the henchman Jaws into kind of like an anti-hero because a lot of kids were buying figurines of him so they tried right. to appeal to that audience. Okay. It feels like a similar thing's happening here because it tries to keep what makes Mad Max Mad Max but tries to like inject these real... Uh...
0: Like a family friendliness to it. I, I, you're right. There's less blood. Like, it's less gory. Yeah. The other two are actually quite... There's some pretty seriously gory scenes. And yeah, exactly. Pretty high impact. And, drama. and especially
1: since, like, in the 80s and hell, even into the 90s, there was this really irksome trend of, like, um, action movies with kid sidekicks. So it felt like Mel Gibson yeah. got, like, a whole, like, casting call <laughs> of them.
0: Okay, right. It was, yeah, it didn't, it didn't, definitely didn't work for me. Um, the Thunderdome thing. That whole barter town, like, I, I was like, I don't, yeah. It
1: kind of makes the title make a weird kind of sense, because I definitely do want to get beyond the <laughs> bloody American Gladiators level shit that was happening in that scene. Yeah. Like, especially with just, like, all them like, poking, like, weapons out through, like, the bars and yeah. stuff like that. <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's just
1: bizarre. It really feels like a video game. Oh, and then when it feels he like just... a really weird video game.
0: And then when he just he cut the ropes and I was like, Well, if you can just do that, then what's the point of having just, them in the first
1: and, place? Oh, um what I was saying about um before about not caring about, you know, plot holes. Yeah. Okay, again, Beyond Thunder kind of an exception. We don't have any rules here. <laughs> oh wait, we have one rule, you must kill like
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah.
1: You, that, yeah. It's like, as fun as that announcer was... He was. As he was fun great. as he was. He was probably, like, my favourite part of the whole movie. Yeah, absolutely. Honestly. Yeah. As fun as he was, even he couldn't make the whole thing any less ridiculous.
0: No. He, he again, he was... I, I was starting to see just that... that The tip of, of some other characters I've seen in Australian films, like, and I can... He, he really yeah ha- gave me this feeling of um I don't know like other stuff I'd seen other Australian yeah. Films yeah, was sort like, of like a... yeah,
1: it's just like honestly all three films kind of feel like like lumps of awe yes. that someone else is meant to like refine yes. and actually build something with like yeah. and, 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 and that's not to discredit what everyone in these films have done like even beyond Thunderdome I can agree that like, as someone who really loves, like, world-building and, like, you know, movies existing in their own little pocket universes, I really do appreciate the way that, like, it got denser and denser as it went on. My my ability to appreciate them kind of lessened along, you know, in (laughs) parallel. But at the same time, like, these aren't, Even Beyond Thunderdome, as much as it is the most flawed of the entire series, not just the trilogy, Mm -mm. easily the most flawed, Mm. I can still, like, how to put it, if someone came up to me and said that Beyond Thunderdome was their favorite Mad Max movie, even today, I could understand why. Because Mm. even knowing how many films would follow up from it, it is... Honestly, the most unique out of the trilogy because it because it is so mishmashed and kind of fucked up in its actual like cohesion and making sense and all of that seemingly meaningless shit as yeah. far as like what some filmmakers seem to think apparently. Yeah. But yeah. I
0: don't know. Like I, I actually enjoyed it from uh, sort of just it was it had enough sort of going on that I was like oh yeah like. You know, this is this is pretty good. I have to say, um, Angry Anderson saved it for me. Oh yeah, he was just he was he was (coughs) absolutely phenomenal in this. I think I don't know if he's ever acted in another film before. I don't know if that was his only only foray into acting. And and
1: Bruce Spence showing up again. Yes,
0: they were. Yes, but
1: (laughs) I will never get tired of seeing Bruce Spence. I actually saw him in um, a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream, where he played a wall.
0: Uh, Okay (laughs) It's like
1: For real He was playing Like one of the actors In the show Within the show And in the show Within the show He had to play a wall And it's like And it's amazing Where like That's pretty much The only thing About that show I actually remember Like his performance In that Like Bruce Spence Best wall ever
0: Well, all right. Well, I think you're probably... Is there anything else you kind of really um, want to get off your chest? I'm
1: anxious to go to the next one, actually. Yeah, okay. So. All right. All right, so Mad Max trilogy. Some of it's good, some of it not so good, but it's one of those all of my objections to it... Well, okay, most yep. of my objections to it are just based on my own personal taste. Sure. And, and knowing what George Miller would go on to create, even outside of Mad Max, yes. it is quite fascinating to look at... You know, these movies, you know, not just as a part of, you know, the bigger Australian cultural landscape, but also the world, because you've got stuff like, you know, Wormwood Road of the Dead and Borderlands and... Or was it, their movie Doomsday? Which is basically beyond Thunderdome, except even dumber, somehow. (laughs) It's like, stuff like that. It it is quite fascinating to look, as someone who is trying to learn more and more about, you know, the older bits of film history. And and
0: from that perspective, I'm kind of, as an Australian, I'm kind of proud of them in that way, because I'm like, obviously this is... These are important from that perspective. They've set off, you know, a whole bunch of stuff from other countries. Um, For me... They were enjoyable enough. I think if you were into cars, um,
1: oh yeah, definitely, you
0: would absolutely yeah. love these movies. Especially sure since
1: of... all the cars are like real. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and some of the um, mods on them, even from a non-car head perspective, I was like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So there's that um, aspect of it. I did think that the stunt work was phenomenal because probably most of those. Well, all of those stunts would have been done for real. There's no CGI, <laughs> nothing. Yeah. Nothing sped up or CGI about that. So from that perspective, also, um, I think that they they've done really well. the The costume design on all three movies.
1: Oh, absolutely! Especially hugely... since like this was like the first real mainstream-ish, like, a, you know, exposure yeah. for those subcultures. Yeah. Which now, admittedly. More exposure for kind of like, you know, the bondage BDSM community would eventually lead to. I really hate bringing this up in relation to BDSM, but it, it, it's so mm. fucking disinformative. It keeps being mentioned in those circles. So, like, Fifty Shades of I knew Grey. mean, to say that, yeah. 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 Or to be more. But on that same token, it just as easily could have led to stuff like Secretary or The Duke sure. of Burgundy. Sure. You know, sure. actual good movies. Yeah. or. Yeah. A- Screw that. Actual movies. Actual full movies. stop. <laughs> yes.
0: yes, exactly. So, so but uh, the letdown for me is that, and as I've discussed with you many times before, post-apocalyptic films, the genre in general, is is my favourite. Combine that with zombies and you've got the perfect feel. But for me, even just post-apocalyptic is like, that's my jam. And so that's why I think I'm mostly disappointed because it's it should really have been something that I got more into and and just felt disconnected
1: from. I am willing to be that like the the best approach you could take in like, you know, thinking about these films is just like well, you know, taking into consideration that, you know, all the post apocalyptic stuff that you like now, yeah. Mad Max probably had a hand in building exactly. that foundation. Exactly. So that's it, right. it, it's like it's how to put it, it's kinda of like how most people are with stuff like Birth of a Nation or Triumph of the Will no one's asking you to like it in fact it's probably safe if you don't especially (laughs) with stuff like those fucking propagandist pieces of shit but at the very least if you you know want to take films in any way seriously you have to respect what started with them sure like I fucking hate Birth of a Nation mm. I think it's an absolute piece of shit and it it's uh, some of the worst political talking points of the last century yes century because that's how fucking old it is <laughs> but at the same time I have to respect what it did for the craft yeah. I don't really respect the man who made it because of the free speech bollocks he would end up saying later but yeah. and that's my approach with the Mad Max films yeah. I don't hate them nearly as much but no. it's a matter of, you know, seeing like, oh, okay, this stuff started here, this stuff started here. Well, there's
0: nothing to really hate about that.
1: Exactly. And as we'll get into with yes. our next episode, yes. Yes. I definitely appreciate the foundation of these ones built because, yeah. ooh, boy, was yeah. there a hell of a skyscraper built on that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right. And we'll, we'll leave, leave it at that for now. <laughs>